this is Therapy-ish. All right, guys, it is Aisha back here with season three of Therapy-ish, and I'm just excited to be back in this thing, you know, just back in here. So this episode, I will be talking with Asia. Asia will get to introduce herself in a moment, but we are going to be talking about toxic parenting and its impact on the child. So Asia, can you kind of tell me a little bit about yourself, um, your current program since you're still in school and your anticipated graduation date? Okay, yeah. So I'm Asia. I am an intern here at Crave Counseling. I've been getting my master's in clinical psychology at Capella University, and I'm anticipated to finish it in December the 16th to be exact. So very excited about that. But um, other than that, yeah, I'm ready to get this this master's degree. It's been too long. (laughs) (laughs) I 100% get that. That, That's a rough journey. I'd like to equate it to going to medical school and Mm -hmm. residency, but I'll leave that alone (laughs) for another episode. Okay. So again, in this episode, we're going to talk about the impact of toxic parenting and how it impacts the children, how it impacts developing a healthy therapeutic process and navigating those dynamics within the therapy space. So we'll start with the first question I have for Asia. Um, And of course, I'm going to chime in, right? Uh, But... I read somewhere that more than 88% of children in therapy are due to the emotional damage or emotional unavailability of their parents. What are your thoughts based on what you have seen so far? Yeah. So working with kids, it's it's really been interesting because it's like parents bring their kids in thinking that like their kids have all these behavioral problems, like, oh, they're acting out, doing this and, um, you know, or being angry And a lot of times parents don't realize that you're literally the source of why your child is feeling a certain type of way towards just anything when it comes to them acting out towards you or their response on how they don't listen to you. A lot of it always comes back to the parents. And I've learned a lot, even when I've talked to a lot of my kid clients, they always end up admitting like during that first session I have an issue with my parent. Like my mom is the problem. My dad is the problem. Like I wanted to come for myself, but my parent feels like it's that it was something completely else. And so I tried to like get the kid to the point where they have that confidence to let their parent know how much of an effect they have on them. So that way they have that confidence to do it all the, all the time. And like, it feels like the relationship gets mended in a way. And it also brings light to the parent too. Cause a lot of times parents are very like blind to what they're doing to their kid or they do know it. I was like, a lot of them know. They know it. Some are blind. Some like, especially the conversations I've had with some parents when I finally was just like, Hey, like, do you feel like you have these high expectations on your kid? And they sit there and they're like, Oh yeah, I do. And I'm like, yeah, that's why she feels like she has to be a perfectionist or he feels like he has to be doing this, this and that to get the job done because of that high expectation you put on them without realizing it. Yeah. I always say, you know, when you do therapy with children, Mm -hmm. you are not only doing therapy with the kid, but you're also doing therapy with the parents and or family. Yes. Uh, 100% of the time. I always feel like I'm in family <laughs> therapy at different times. And I'm like, wait, this is still individual. Like, <laughs> Yeah, especially when you're doing the check-ins. Yeah, it, it can be a lot. 
Okay, so when working with kids, how has toxic parenting shown up for working with the kids within the sessions and between sessions and the therapeutic process? So that's like mm-hmm. three parts. Yeah. How does it show up as a parent, parenting in general? How does it show up in therapy and how does it impact the process? Yeah. So I've seen it show up with like, when it comes to like, and when I have like the, um, usually by the third session, I have conversations with the parents of like, Hey, like, you know, this is kind of what we've been working on. And like, we'll talk through some things. It definitely shows its face when parents, you start to see more of how like the parent is the big factor in situations, especially how they're literally calling out on everything their kid has been doing. And it's just like, okay, wait, let's take a minute. Like, let's reflect. Okay. So what has been going on recently that you feel like your kid isn't listening to you? And then it goes into, okay, so they're not listening to you because they feel like you're just nagging at them or you're yelling at them. And so a lot of it goes into like a whole bunch of blame game. Like you're constantly blaming your kid on what's happening, but it's like, you can't really blame them for Absolutely. everything. Absolutely, I always tell. I'm, I'm pause right here. Yeah. Right? Absolutely, I always, always see situations where, when you're trying to broach mm-hmm. and and have delicate conversations with parents around, like maybe we should update your parenting style. Yeah, maybe you can let go of the leash a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe some of the things that you were doing could possibly be impacting your child. Yes. Um, such as taking all of the hinges off the door and telling your child they don't deserve to have privacy yeah. in your household. But I'm, I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> but I said all that to say is that, like, having those conversations with those toxic parents can be hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's like talking to a wall sometimes, too, because people do not like other people to tell them that they're the problem. And it's just this wall goes up. And the moment you tell a parent something like that, a wall instantly goes up and they're like, no, I'm, I didn't do that. And I'm like, mm, that's not what I've talked to your kid about. Yeah. And, you know, earlier in my career when I was working with families and children, I remember asking a parent, do she love her kids mm-hmm. or do they love their kids? Right. And I had a parent that was like trying to come in and say, they need to talk about this. They need to work through mm-hmm. this. They, 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 they. And I just was like, okay. And then they started naming down, I do all of this for them. I do this and mm-hmm. I do that. And I'm just like, but did you love them though? Yeah. You know, like buying things for your children mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that you love them yeah. the way that they need to be loved. To be fair, you know, to be honest, I might knock on some doors on this one, but Parents typically buy clothes because they want to look good to Mm -hmm. their friends to say, we make good enough money to take care of our kids. Yeah. Then on the flip side of that, you have to feed them and clothe them and provide a roof over their head because Child Protective Services says that you have to. Yeah. So you do these things out of necessity Mm -hmm. and sometimes out of survival to keep your kids from being taken from you. But at the same time, did you love your children right through that the way that they needed to be loved and not just because you want to look good mm-hmm. or because 
society says you have to. Yeah. Oh, that's, see, that's interesting because a lot of parents do that. That's so interesting. Oh, yeah. They gave me a, a pretty crazy look when I asked that question. Yeah. And they, what do you mean? I love my, I, I, I just asked the question. <laughs> I wasn't trying to cause any problems. Okay. Okay. But yes. Okay. So in between sessions, how does that co-parent, toxic, toxic parenting show up? In between sessions, um, is that like per- pertaining to like when I'm not seeing the kid in between sessions, or yeah. just like okay, yeah, I'll get a kid that comes back after not seeing them for a while, uh-huh. and it seems like nothing has changed. Like it feels like it's your it's first session all over again. Like yeah. we talked about things, we talked about coping mechanisms, we talked about like oh, like let's talk more assertive, or like let's you know make sure we get our point across, and then they come back after a period of time, and I'm like okay, wait, we're talking about the same thing we just talked about last time I saw you. So, like, what's happening? And then yeah. it, it comes back to, well, my mom didn't do this, so it's hard for me to incorporate my coping mechanism. So if my right. coping mechanism is I need to take a break from my parent and have 10 minutes to regroup, and my parent isn't giving me that space. How can I utilize my coping, coping skills in that moment? Yeah. So that makes it really hard as a therapist, like, to, for you to bring your kid to me for them to work on these things and they can't even use them and we're just Absolutely. having to redo it every single time, that's tough. That That's really hard. And I hate to see it too because, especially because when you talk to the kid, they, you know, they show you everything that like their parent isn't, like they don't see, like their parent doesn't see. And then you feel so like hurt by it because you're just kind of like, dang, like you're doing your part, but your mom or your dad isn't meeting you where you're trying to be at. Absolutely. Or they're not, again, they're not loving you the way that you're asking them to love you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every age group is different, but what we see a lot of the times with with teens Mm -hmm. is that the parents strip away their ability to spend time with their friends. Yeah. And they don't tell me anything. They don't talk to me. But that's the developmental stage that they're in where their friend groups become more important than the relationships that they have with yes. their parents. And parents take that so offensively. But it's like, you can't. Like, that's what they need. <laughs> they need to figure it out themselves. Like, let your kid go adventure out and spread these wings you want them to spread. Absolutely. And let them do it. But you holding them back? <laughs> I will add... Uh-huh. Um, what I've also seen and we've seen as mm-hmm. clinicians, which we'll get into why people don't work with children, um, is a lot of times toxic parenting shows up in our messaging portal. Oh, yeah. Where parents will literally send us a message or message us and say, this happened. What can you do to help me? Mm-hmm. Baby girl, baby boy, mom, dad, we have not seen you yeah. in weeks, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And now one session is supposed to fix everything. And a therapeutic process is slow. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, depending on your child's age. Yeah. And also, Mm -hmm. like, if your parents are resisting change and you're wanting change to happen, but you have to be one of the other parties engaging in change. Yeah. It's not going to go far. No, at all. Yeah. I know I had a a situation where one parent had asked me... um, Oh, well, like, how long, how many times does she need to come? And I'm like, because I haven't seen any progress. And I'm like, I've only seen her four or five times. Like, it takes time to build that, like, that relationship or build that rapport about 
what's actually really going in because right now I'm like, I'm at the surface right now. I'm like, I haven't even got to the, all the lower depths, but I'm like, it takes time. Like just give it, be patient. Like you're rushing the process yeah. for nothing. Like it's okay. Absolutely. <laughs> we're going to get there. So we go, we're going to pause that third part of okay. that question okay. and we'll pick it back up after this question. Okay. Okay. So what can parents do to facilitate a healthy therapeutic process for their child? Oh, I think it, I think it starts with a lot of the boundaries, healthy boundaries from from like my point of view. I feel like a lot of parents overstep and like to control their kids a lot where it's just kind of like you got to take a step back a little bit and let them breathe a little bit and kind of figure it out like you know what they yeah. want to do for themselves, but like when you're constantly like nitpicking at everything they're doing, they're not really like getting a chance to like fail or um, figure out on their own, like, oh, okay, I didn't need to do this, but I, I figured it out on my own. Like, yeah. I didn't need my mom or dad nagging at me and in my personal space or constantly on my my ankles trying to get me to do something. So yeah. I feel like I feel like I've talked to a lot of my kids about like what healthy boundaries look like and how to be more vocal and have <laughs> those conversations and be like, be respectful, but at the same time, get your, get your words out but there. But at the same time, how do you set boundaries? And, and, you know, again, because we are talking about a lot of times some mm-hmm. of our black families or our minority families or families in general, but let's, let's use the cultural perspective to this yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. How do you do that when you've grown up in a household where your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are supposed to be under the control of a parent. Right, yeah. Like parents yeah. saying, you live in my house, you're going to do what I say. Or yeah. whatever the conversation mm-hmm. is, right? And that again, that's not to highlight the negative parts of mm-hmm. it, but we're talking about toxic parenting here. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I had, I had a healthy upbringing. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't go through a lot of things that my peers went through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I see some of this stuff, I do struggle with, having to facilitate that because in my mind, I'm like, you don't own this child. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You had this child, but you don't own this child. They deserve a space to say, Hey, this hurt me. Mm -hmm. And I would like it if you do this. Yeah. I know I had a, I had a conversation with one of my uh, kid clients about um, how their parent was always like constantly like starting arguments with them. And they're like, well, I'm in the house with them. How do I navigate that? And I'm like, Okay, so let's look at our coping mechanism. Let's see how we can tweak him to yeah. fit so you can move, maneuver around him because obviously you can't get out the house. You're not, you know, yeah. you're still in high school. But like, what can we do to tweak your coping mechanisms? And I know. But why is that fair? It's not. It's not. <laughs> but it's like, it's something like, you know, like if, you, if your parent has no like respect for your boundaries, like, cause like even for you, like, same for me. I grew up in a household where my parents were like very respectful about anything I did. And I never had felt that pressure of having. Having to like think like, dang, I can't tell my mom like certain things because you're just gonna act a certain way. But it's like that's what the the sucky part of what it comes with a toxic parent. Like, if you can't respect your kid enough to like give them their space and their time to like have their their meditation time, then like that's an issue right there in itself. Like, if I can't use my coping mechanisms to deal with it, like deal with how I'm feeling in that moment, like that's not helping me. Yeah, and I will say like I think. Parents mm-hmm. being supportive of the therapeutic process mm-hmm. is also a plus. Yeah. Again, there are so many parents that won't yeah. support the therapeutic process for other toxic reasons, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, mm, 
Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah. yeah, I have these other children to tend to, so that's not gonna work mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Whatever excuse mm-hmm. or reason they give you, but them being supportive and facilitative as well mm-hmm. outside of the therapeutic process can definitely support and reduce some of that toxicity. Yeah, because then you now, as a parent, because you're trying these tools mm-hmm. and these things that we've discussed. You are now seeing the fruition of it at home. Yeah. Because like you mentioned, one session is not going to change anything. Yeah. But if I'm practicing it, then mm-hmm. I can say, okay, okay, this really isn't working. So yeah. now that when we come back and we check in about therapeutic goals with the client or the, you know, with mm-hmm. the with the the kid and the parent, right? They now can say, well, we tried these things. These didn't work. Or yeah. I messed up. I tried it. Yeah. But I messed up. And these were the mistakes that I made. But I went back and fixed it. Mm-hmm. And that helped build the intimacy between our, you know, parent-child yeah, relationship. Yeah, yeah. So. And I think it's interesting also, too, I would say with confidentiality. I think that <laughs> one is always really interesting. Because I, I know during one of my sessions, like when I explained what confidentiality looks like and how like, yeah, mom, dad, I want to keep you in the loop, but I can't, there's certain things I really cannot say to you. And the response I got was, well, why not? Yeah. And I'm like, well, that defeats the whole purpose of them coming here and confidentiality. Yeah. Like I want to, I want to keep you in the loop and I, or I want your kid to get to the point where they can just tell you it without me having to be that person Absolutely. to do it. But for you to try to apply that pressure on me to open up to like tell you all the beans of your kid is like talking about, I can't do that. I think the hardest part about just what you just said Uh is because in all other industries, Mm -hmm. a lot of times the communication is open. Yeah. With therapy, like we're the unbiased best friend of your children. Yeah. So granted, I will have a conversation with this child about hey, I got to have a conversation Mm -hmm. with your mom or dad about this thing. But like some things will not be verbatim. No, I'm not telling you things verbatim. Now I will say we have been working on these symptoms. Mm -hmm. This is how you can see it present at the household. And this is how you can facilitate growth or change in that area. But no, I'm not telling you the conversation they have with their girlfriend or boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Depending on the age, right? Yeah. Yeah, I had it's a kid. like being a lawyer at times. Like, yeah. no, we have we have uh, what is it, client, client lawyer privilege, yeah, whatever, yeah. right? Like, that's kind of what it is. Yeah, and I know I have one kid. She was about to tell me something. She was like, "But don't tell my parent." And I'm like, "Unless you're about to tell me, you're about to like harm yourself or harm somebody Absolutely. else." I was like, "There is nothing for I need to tell to your parent about what you're about to talk to me about." Right. I said, like, "That is not my job to do that." I was like, of course, if you want to have a conversation with mom here and you talk about it, that's different. But I was like, that's that's not what I need to do. That's not my job. Right. My job is to support you mm-hmm. navigate the complexities of life. Yes. Not to be a snitch in the therapeutic space. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and again, we that's the conversation we have with parents mm-hmm. when we do intake. Because parents think that, oh, okay, you know. So you're going to tell me everything? Absolutely not. Yeah. And no, I'm not going to force this child to talk about anything you want them to talk about. Yeah. They have to be open, willing, and ready to have these, whatever conversations it is. Mm-hmm. If they come here and they say, I don't want to talk about it, bet. What do you want to yeah. talk about? And that's, I'm, I had a conversation with a parent the same. I had a group session and I remember having the conversation about, cause they brought up, they would message me in the portal and they brought up something about, well, 
they're not telling me this, this, and that. And I'm like, well, they're, or like, they don't know if they're, the kid is telling me in the sessions. And I'm like, I said, that might not be their issue or their problem. I said, to you, it might be a problem, but for them, they're over it. They're past it. They moved on to something else. They want to talk about other things from what you want them to talk about. So it's like, you can't expect your kid to go in with a list that you created for them. Like, right. That, that is not, no. I always tell parents. Take a step back and mm-hmm. remember every 15 minutes is a new day. Yeah. You may still be stuck on it, but like you said, they've moved on. Mm-hmm. I cannot force them to revisit something that they've processed, yeah. grieved, and moved forward from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You you got to work on your own grieving process. Right. With, <laughs> pick and choose your battles, accept the L, mm-hmm. and keep it moving. Sometimes it's not about just winning and being in control of Yeah. All situations. A lot of times it is. It's a control thing. Mm-hmm. I want them to do what I say, when I say do it. Mm-hmm. I want them to be successful. I want, I want, I want. Okay, but what do they want? Right. Because you're never going to get what you want mm-hmm. if you're not supportive in what they want. Yes. And what they need. Yes. Okay. So, how does it impact the therapeutic process? So, I know we kind of broached it mm-hmm. briefly, but like, how damaging is toxic parenting to the therapeutic process? It's the damage is, I think it's, it's really, the damage is hits really hard on the kids when I notice that they're not getting the support from their parents. And it seems as so much like there's just a lot of like backtracking and like all the progress we've made during that session. Right. Went out the window. Right. Because you went into this going thinking, okay, like I'm going to just mind my business. I'm not going to argue with my parent. I'm going to just, just let her sit there and do whatever. Cause then, you know, you have the situation where I can't argue back cause it's, it's a respect thing. They're going to be disrespectful. disrespectful to the parent. Why are you disrespecting your mom? Why are you disrespecting your dad? Yeah. I just said, I don't want to eat the peas on the plate. Yes. And you're forcing me to do that. <laughs> now you're mad at me for not wanting to eat something I didn't want to eat. Let's talk <laughs> about the trauma you are causing me in this moment. Mm-hmm. And it, it gets worse because those, those children become adults and parents in their mind are like, yeah, me and my kids have a great relationship. Mm-hmm. And then you go back and you visit, revisit the conversation, i.e. we get the kids in therapy as adults. Yeah. And they're like, no, I never liked my mom. Mm-hmm. I never thought my mom loved me as a kid. Yeah. They did what they were supposed to do. And they think we're, and again, there's that transition between mm-hmm. now I'm a parent. I was your parent. I control you. I own you. All the things in between. Yeah. And now you're grown. Okay, we best friends. Absolutely yeah. not. No, no. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't even like you. Right. And you think we BFF? And I have yet to work through all of my trauma, but I'm forced to communicate mm-hmm. with you as an adult because I have been told from person to person, generation to generation that that is your mom, that is your dad. You only have one family and mm-hmm. you need to you need to communicate with them no matter what. No. Yeah. I can set boundaries now. They mm-hmm. don't pay these bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they don't control yep. nothing. Yep. So it's just and it's interesting cuz like I don't think parents realize how much they're messing up their kid in their relationship. Like you want to have this great relationship with your kid, Okay, we'll take the steps necessary to get to that good relationship. Absolutely. Because like you said, like when they get to adulthood, they out. 18, I don't have to stay here. You right? I don't have to pay these bills. I'm going to go pay my bills. And they even like, because again, don't let you be the parent that Mm -hmm. gets sick and your kids have to take care of you. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're oh, gonna be like, oh, uh-huh. how those tables turn. <laughs> Look, now you need me. Now you. Now need you me. need me, and now 
I get to get my leak back. Mm. Autumn times? Because when you were in your space of sanity where you could promote change and you could have done different, Mm -hmm. you chose not to. And now... I'm not going to be the bigger person, so yeah. I'm going to get my leg back every time. You hungry? Oh, well. Yeah. I think that's I think that's what's so annoying, too. Like, Because I, I enjoy working with kids so much, and I see so much growth my, right. a lot of my kid clients have. But then it's like that roadblock of the parent. And then it's like, okay, well, they don't get to really achieve what they've been working on and feel proud about it because Absolutely. they're not able to, to do it outside of here. Like, why is this their only, yeah, like, why is this their only sanctuary or their safe spot where someone is actually acknowledging them and for what the achievements they've done? Yeah. And I think that's a lot of, like, backtracking kids, too. They're like, dang, I don't even want to tell my parent I got this A because the moment I get a B on something, they mad. (laughs) So at what point do you recommend the parent get counseling? Oh, so that's, okay, so I did, I can't, for example, I had a situation where, um, a parent wanted me to address their child's anger and like their lack of communication with them. And I'm like, okay, well I can't force her to have a conversation with you, but I said, we can have this moment and we can all talk about it if she's comfortable to do that. So I was not going to force her to have that conversation, but if she wants to do that, we can. And I remember during the session, I ended up to the point where I was like, if you feel like communication between you and her is that bad, right? Family therapy could be an option, maybe, or, you know, you having your own individual therapy could be an option. So that way you can identify some things that, you know, someone is like, could see from the outside party. Cause I'm like, when you go see a therapist, we are a blank canvas. I know nothing about you. I don't see you on the outside world, but during conversations, we pick up on things. We'd be like, "Mm, you sure you probably, the way you talk to her, that didn't come off disrespectful or like... You well, know? and this is my client. Yeah. So yeah. I have a duty to protect mm-hmm. this client. Yeah. Not that I'm going to baby them. Yeah. That's not where I'm going yeah. with that. But I have a duty to protect their mm-hmm. mental, physical, emotional, yeah. financial, all the things. And there's that, that bias already there. Like, your daughter's telling me all this stuff about you. I'm on your child's side. <laughs> like, as much as you want me to be on your side, like, my bias is already different towards you. Yeah. So I can't, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna support my kid as much as possible. Yeah. In that situation. It is hard though. Yeah, it is. It's, it's hard to be like, okay, so we're gonna check in today mm-hmm. and you need to go to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've had parents who, when they reach out to me through Portal, they'll be like, hey, like, are there some resources that I can use as a parent so that way, Right. I can do my part on my end and dot, dot, dot. And I'm like, I surely will send you something. Like, Absolutely. I appreciate you saying something or the parents that keep me in the loop are like, hey, like, this has been what's going on recently. Like, I want you to get together with other people at their school so we can collab right. and figure out like a game plan. And I'm like, yes, I surely will do that because <laughs> you're trying to support your kid outside of here. Like, I'm trying to support your kid in here. And I can only be in one spot. So right, I right, can't right. be out there, but... To have that support system out there, I was, that makes such a big difference for kids. At what point do you terminate services? Mm, that one's interesting. That's, yeah. Not because the kid is not growing, uh-huh. but at what point do you terminate services for a toxic parent? I think you start, I think the terminating comes to when the parent does not take the recommendations you have provided and is not acknowledging that their kid needs more help outside of what therapy is 
or when the parent is literally saying everything that you're saying makes no sense in that there's no problem. And it's like, no, but there is a problem. There and we are a should, lot of problems. There's a lot of problems. <laughs> and you're not acknowledging the problems, which is not helping your kid because right. they're still doing the same thing that you brought them in here for. Right, right. So right. it's like, so where is the, like, where, when do you, like, stop for a second and actually acknowledge, okay, maybe I'm not being the best parent and fix it instead of just, like, putting up, you're putting your shades on and blocking it out. Like, it's not going to disappear. Yeah, because a lot of times, like, parents don't realize that they have to do the work too. Mm-hmm. We bring them in and we talk to them and we facilitate certain conversations. Yeah. And they're like, okay, cool. But you need therapy too. Yes. Because as much as they are experiencing trauma and this dynamic has been rigid, mm-hmm. you have to do the work to let it go. Yeah. You have to do that or you have to do your own inner child work mm-hmm. that is impacting your relationship with your child. Yeah. Again, we see it generation from generation to generation to generation mm-hmm. where a lot of families, it's my mom did this to my mom. Yeah. Now they're doing it to me mm-hmm. and I'm never doing it to my kid. And then they grow up and they end up doing it to mm-hmm. their kid. Mm-hmm. It's just a little bit different. Yeah. 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 So what are three things you would tell first time parents or those family planning about the emotional and mental capacity needed to raise kids? First time parents, I would definitely say be very open to anything in terms of like allowing their kid to like grow. Like as a parent, you're still going to want to be there for your kid to be like, Oh, maybe we shouldn't probably do that. Like let's rethink that. Right. But don't impede their process to actually like, grow absolutely and I feel like that affects kids a lot because then they get they they especially the ones I've seen when they come to therapy they seem completely lost like they don't know what they're doing they don't know who they are as a person and I'm like well this is your time you're supposed to know that you're supposed to I like find Be your identity yeah. yeah like I'm like wait you don't know that yet like you got something you probably should have probably heard from your parent yeah yeah <laughs> but you didn't get a chance to learn that and so you're missing this like this spot in your life that you needed to have like that comfort or right. that support. And then when you grow up, you become such a independent person right. where you don't know how to lean on other people for support because you're just, you always were so used to, I got to do it. I got to yeah. do it myself. And I will say, yeah, be prepared. Mm-hmm. A lot of times parents become parents without preparing. Mm-hmm. So again, you need that village. Yeah. Prepare to have one. Mm-hmm. Don't cut off all your friends because y'all are having disagreements. Work through those. Yeah. Facilitate growth in those relationships so that they can be beneficial to you and your children and your continued legacy mm-hmm. as you continue to build. But then I also would just say like you don't own them. Yeah. I think I think once parents get that <laughs> out of their head and be like your child like you raise them, yeah, or you like birth them, but like that's not a property. They are yours in theory. <laughs> yeah. Right? But you don't own them. Yeah. And do your healing before you get begin to expect. Mm-hmm. Because I remember having conversations with some of my friends as they were going through their pregnancies. Mm-hmm. And some of their inner child was coming out of these conversations. Yeah. And the therapist in me, I was trying not to be a therapist, <laughs> was coming out. And literally that trauma is transferred to your your babies. Yeah. So they, they're coming out and they already didn't have a chance because 
you were never emotionally available for this child Mm -hmm. to begin with. Yeah. And you're transferring that trauma down through birth, but also depending on how the baby was conceived, you never wanted the baby. Mm Mm-hmm. So they already going to have that feeling of not feeling wanted because that's what you're, that's the vibe you're giving off. Exactly. Yeah. It's there. So. Yeah. 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 And I also think about too, about um, parents that like smother their kids and then kids that's turn toxic. in. Yeah. And then the kids turn into like being sneaky and they feel like they always got to hide stuff Or a little terrorist. Yeah. They that's become too. a little terrorist because yes. they get to manipulate it because mm-hmm. now it's like. I know my mom's going to do this. So yep. Just as much as we as parents say we know our kids, no, your kids know you better. Yeah. Your kids know you better. So be careful with your responses to your children mm-hmm. and always be open to growth. But I always tell parents, date your kids because yeah. they change every day. Sure do. I- so if you don't date your kids and they become these teens mm-hmm. and you're trying to pull information out... You didn't spend time with them yesterday or yeah. the day before or the year before. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden you want them to tell you things. Yeah. You don't even know this kid. Yeah. And then the therapist got to tell you something about your kid. About your child. <laughs> Why do I know more about you? What about your child than you do? Because we've created safe spaces. Yep. We've, we've facilitated healthy relationships. Because yeah. so. I do have kids that come in and they'll... Get relaxed, plop on the couch, lay down. Absolutely. And they'd yeah. be like, so this is what had happened. <laughs> <laughs> this is what my life is like right now. And I'm like, oh, perfect. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's get through it. Well, you know, I appreciate you for having this conversation with me about yeah. toxic parenting and toxic parents and how it impacts the therapeutic process and, you know, all the things in between. And so, you know, again, thank you for joining yeah, me yeah. on this, this conversation. Was great. Yeah. I think that a lot of parents mm-hmm. would be open to having more of these conversations. Um, and again, sometimes we don't know we do need therapy mm-hmm. as parents because we've seen generation from generation and it's like, well, mama knows best. Yeah. Mama don't know best. Right. They don't. They legit don't know better. Mm-hmm. And because you think that they know better, somebody got to tell y'all, y'all toxic. Yeah. Especially from a stranger. Absolutely. If you hear from a stranger, then you know you toxic. Because <laughs> like, your friends are biased and they already be like, nah, girl, you good. No, your therapist going to be like, no. But that's a sign. Yeah. If your friends cannot be honest with you mm-hmm. and you guys still maintain those difficult, honest conversations, yeah. then something is wrong with yeah. you. You need to work through that. Not that like literally something's wrong with you, but like there are some things you need to mm-hmm. work through that's keeping you in that rigid mindset. Yeah. So, Okay. We gonna digress. Yeah, <laughs> but this conversation was really, really good. Yeah. So thanks for joining. Um, again, my name is Asia. I'm Asia, <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you guys. Well, not we, but I'll see you guys next episode. <laughs> <laughs>